listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome everyone to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. Today we are talking about comp plans once again. Hot topic, beginning of the year. Makes a lot of sense for us to spend a little bit more time on this topic than others right now. And one of the things that is, we're often asked is, can you actually negotiate a comp plan? A lot of sales reps or anybody with variable comp have a tendency to believe that when they are given a comp plan, there's very little, little room for negotiation. And we find that not to be true. However, there are things that you have to keep in mind. First and foremost, trying to negotiate a comp plan January 1st or 2nd when it's handed out to you is not the right time. You have to know when to engage with your management, when to engage with executives, understand what their business issues are, understand what they're trying to accomplish. Perhaps it's net new business or expansion of existing accounts. Perhaps it's higher margins. Perhaps it's uh, taking a new product into a new market or penetrating a new industry. Understanding what your company is focused on over the coming year or the upcoming year is critical in terms of giving you the right foundation to be able to negotiate. In addition to that, you have to negotiate within your skills and within what you're comfortable with. And so what Brian Burns and I did was spend some time to kind of break down what we think the ways that you can negotiate a comp plan are and how to do that most effectively. Hey, Chad, let's, let's talk about negotiating a comp plan. Is it negotiable? Of course. Everything's negotiable. <laughs> it's called sales. <laughs> Even at big companies? Yeah, I believe it is. I, I have um, maybe, maybe not as much so, right? It, you, maybe not as much wiggle room, depending on the size of the company. But I believe and, and was taught early on and learned early on, there are, are always ways to negotiate comp. In non-sales roles, you see a lot of people trying to negotiate more vacation or, or something like that. But there's always, always ways to have conversations, but it requires understanding what is the goal? What, what is the business issue? What is the company trying to accomplish? And what do you, you uniquely bring to that equation? Yeah. And I think if you do the preparation, I think too many reps are reactive on this. And that they don't engage their manager, you know, early because this these discussions don't start in January. They start in September. Yeah. You know, right? Because all of a sudden you'll see your manager doing an offsite, um, you know, the beginning of Q4. And you're like, what's that all about? And they don't tell you. And, <laughs> and they start asking you about ne- ne- what's coming in the uh, early next year. You know, because they're trying to come up with quotas and territories because things are going to change. And, you know. And it always is the anticipation and the optimism, especially when the economy's doing well, the company's growing, they have a good year, you know, and what's the, the natural reaction? So let's do, let's do a two X next year. <laughs> yeah, we should be able we should be able to at least double our numbers. And so, Hey, right. let's just double everybody's comp plan. I mean, yeah. I think the awareness, right? Awareness reps need to understand that 
yes, okay, primary focus, closing business, making money, but they're not operating in a vacuum anymore, right? They, they have the ability to provide insight and, and kind of feedback loop from the field and get involved in those conversations. So understanding, you know, when those, those decisions start to get made, understanding that when all of a sudden all the execs are out of the office for three days and nobody knows where they are until, you know, the credit card bills for the, you know, the, the, the lunches come in, it, being aware of that and getting involved in those conversations earlier, uh, I think is a definite asset to any sales exec, but you just don't see a lot of them think that way. And laying that groundwork allows you to have a platform from which to negotiate your comp plan. Yeah, because the management's view is, oh, we're going to have this new release or this new product or this acquisition. And we're going to, you know, double the, the the staff and marketing and, you know, pre-sales and SDR to get you leads and everything. And, and then you say, well, when are they going to be hired? Oh, Q1, Q2. Well, <laughs> that's half the year, you realize. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think reps have to prepare. It's like, OK, I know I'm going to have to give up something. And, you know, how's my, how's my manager going to what's he going to take away? You know, and, and it always used to come out to where you lived. You know, today it might be where you, what expertise you have, what install base you have, what's, you know, what skills and where you've been successful. You got to start thinking, you know, they're going to take something away and I can't keep it all or I'll have to, you know, double my quota. What do I give up? Well, and that's just in the negotiation. It's, it's funny. I, I went into sales because of the risk reward ratio, right? And once you get to a point where I think, you know, reps know how good they are. Like you got to really be honest with yourself. Like, are you willing to put in the work and what can you accomplish? One of the ways I always uh, would negotiate was I would sacrifice some of my base for more points on the top end because I knew I was going to be able to get it done. Um, but you don't see a lot of people that are willing to take when, when they look at the negotiation, they don't, they have a tendency not to think about what they can, you know, kind of give away. They have a tendency to think just how can I structure this so I get more? And so that understanding that you look, you're already getting paid. You're already, there's already costs associated with your existence. So how can you mitigate those? And especially when you're talking to a CFO, I always prefer to get the CFO or the finance guys on board uh, with my approach because then it's easier to convince the sales exec because he's going to have to go sell to the CFO anyway. So I'll just step around him and do the job for him. Like, hey, this is I know you don't like paying me this much, um, so let's tie it more to performance, You know, weighting it more on performance, whether that be net new logo, new products, sales, whatever, whatever the metrics are. Um, I have no problem giving up a part of kind of that standard uh, base in order to get a higher win on the backside. And, and I don't see a lot of reps being willing to do that. In fact, I've, I, haven't, I haven't had a rep come to me and do that in years. Usually what I get is, hey, I need a bigger base because I just had another yeah. baby. Uh, you know, okay. you hear the base talk, especially <laughs> when you're hiring reps. Oh, yeah. The base is critical to them. And it's like, why? <laughs> you know, and, and the people get spoiled. You know, I, I got spoiled at one company and I had this enormous base you know, because it was through an acquisition and it was really hard to consider anything else. And it, it's, I think I look at it like when my brother got a union job when he was in high school. I go, that's a trap. And he goes, what do you mean? <laughs> I go, because once you get there, how are you going to go get another job that pays less? 
Well, I would never do that. That's what the trap is called. Right. <laughs> Golden handcuffs for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> think, think of all the auto workers that were getting 70K a year, right? And all of a sudden, the, the jobs are gone, and there's no other 70K a year job. You have to start over again. And it's, I think the base, I think you, you're head on right there. And I think that's what got us into this uh, bad comp plan trap right now where the, the company has to offer a good base and a good target, which means you have to have a huge quota. Right. Have you seen, uh, just out of curiosity, I ran into for the first time in, oh, man, probably two years, I ran into a handful of reps that are 100% commission. Now, they're still employees, so they still get health care. They still have an expense account, um, those types of things. But they're 100% commission and as a result of that the percentages we're talking you know 28 to 35 percent of everything they bring in uh becomes their commission and and i my, my first thought is hope whoa that's a huge amount of risk but then when you start running the numbers on what they're selling and that type of setup all right i've got my health care which is you know everybody's worried about that and i've got you know some support on the expenses but it's really up to me. It's it's almost more greenfield than anything else. Have you seen more of that or less of that lately? Uh, I'm seeing. You know, I get approached by vendors, especially startups, who want me to be an affiliate, and you know that they offer quite a big percentage. And I go, but how do you how do you keep track of it? Oh, we'll give you a link. I go, yeah, but people listen to it on the their their phone. They're not going to fill out a form and a cookie going on the their phone. So it's just free advertising for right. you. Or, or you say, oh, we'll ask them. I go, why, why would you ask them? <laughs> You're not incentivized. But yeah, I, I am seeing that. And, you know, because I look at, uh, you know, like recruiters, they're at 50% commission. Right. Uh, um, you know, and that's – and I've, I've, I know a lot of people in that space and a lot of people wash out. You know, because they don't have, you know, the, the patience or the six months to sit it through. But today, I mean, you can basically hire your own SDR off of Upwork for, you know, from five to fifteen dollars an hour. Right. And, you know, the, the days of you having like what you said about the lone wolf are over the tools, the technology to, you know, and believe me, I have it to get meetings. <laughs> you know, I, I hate to say this out loud, but you know, all my interviews, I don't spend a minute on. It's all automated, hundred percent right. automated, hundred percent personalized. No human involved. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just it, though, right? When you when you think about negotiating your comp plan, you, I think sales reps have to think about what tools do they have access to that's going to allow them to work at scale, right? And, and again, maybe part of it goes back to the confidence thing. Like, do you really believe you can consistently execute and close business? But if you look at the tool sets that are out there today, uh, you, I mean, I, would, I want more upside because I know with the tools, I can scale myself and my efforts in ways that were not possible before. And if it's, if it's just working backwards, I mean... Th the primary premise that you can work backwards, you know, activity creates opportunity kind of stuff. You can work backwards and figure this stuff out. That hasn't changed. You can do it. it maybe it's a little bit more complex, but the numbers get bigger because the tools allow us to do this stuff at scale. 
Yeah. I mean, that, that the base is a great point because you show a concession and certainly any CFO or any business person. If someone came up to me and go, hey, Brian, I'll sell for you. I'd go, yeah, I'll give you 50 percent. No, no problem. Right. But you have to have your own computer. I'll help you. I'll train you and stuff. But, oh, you want a 50K base? Well, that's a lot of risk on my end. Right. You know, it's like I'm paying you to go to sales school. <laughs> and, you know, um, but it, it, that's how I, I typically negotiated upside. What I wanted was the multiple. Right. You know, the, uh, yeah, and the, I, I'd say like, okay, how about a, what's a big deal to you guys? Is it 100K, 500K, a million? Uh, say 100K. Okay, well, you know, double my multiple on deals over 100K. You know, and then they'd be like, okay. Because they saw, you know, marginal value that that deal wasn't going to happen unless, you know, th some magic happened. Right. Well, I mean, yeah. it's interesting, right? Because when you think about it and you start to, if you start to negotiate from that standpoint, what you have a tendency to do is really quickly uncover how the executives are looking at individual deals. So, in like in that instance, hey, give me a multiplier over anything over a hundred thousand, because okay, they're not thinking they're going to be a lot of those. But if that's where you're pointing me, and that's where the money's going to be, the next year we're going to have a conversation around. Well, maybe your multiple shouldn't be so high because we paid you so much last year. <laughs> <laughs> and there is, you know, and and the thing is, you probably don't need or want that account anymore, and you can want to go on to something else. And I just see it's going so badly right now. I had a consultant on the comp side on my podcast, and we were talking about it. And he says, you know, they're designing it that 65% will make the quota. So I go there. So it's over assignment. He goes, yeah, it's over assignment. And so that means, okay, the quota is already too high. So one thing you do, like you said, reduce the base, or you could, you know, accelerate over quota. Because, you know, all of the, the fixed costs are already built in and that's all gravy to the company, you know, and then, OK, how about a, something above that? Or how about if you lock in these accounts for me for two years instead of one year? I, I think there's a lot of things on the table, depending on your skills and your interests and your passion uh, that you can get the company to commit to. Well, and there are some reps, I've had some reps work for me that are phenomenal account managers, meaning um, when I say account manager, account exec, I mean, they're already in. We already, we already have an opportunity. We're doing a project with this company. And there are some reps that I have, have worked with that are absolutely masterful at expanding that business out. But if you threw them out into the wild and said, go hunt new business, they would starve. Right? And so knowing what your strengths are, I've had reps come to say, okay, look, you want 5% more out of this set of accounts uh, and you're going to pay me X. How about a multiplier if I can hit 7% more out of these accounts? Uh, and that was, you know, that's two points above what we were looking for from a number standpoint. So sure. But if that same rep had come to me and said, hey, uh, you know what, I'll pass up some of my base for net new business, I probably would have taken it, but I'd have told them. Like, hey, you're negotiating outside of your sweet spot of skills. And so that awareness portion of it, again, is, I think, extremely critical and something I don't think a lot of reps take the time to think about and then apply in their negotiation approach. Yeah, because either they think it's not their role or that they can't do it. They just take whatever the company gives them. They can't push back. 
And the, the good people can push back. The bad people, you know, you, because you also know that you'll get quota overassignment to the C players. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, I got Alaska? Thank you. Yeah. Right? You know? Excellent. Sweet. <laughs> we'll not see you next year. <laughs> right? So it's, that's also a signal. And I think one of my points was know your limits because, you know, I've had reps come to me and they're like whining and complaining. And I was like, well, you're not getting this. You know, you, you didn't make your number last quarter. You know, all the deals you said that were going to come in didn't. You know, you gotta, you're in repair right now. You're not in growth. Repair. Right. Well, and that, I mean, I think that's, again, it's the understanding the reality of sales. What is the profession? And then understanding that if you're negotiating, don't ask. You know, it's like when I was growing up, I, I wanted a motorcycle. I got a BMX bike, right? Like, stop asking for stuff that's outside the realm of possibility based on my skill set. If I'd gotten a motorcycle at the age of 13, I'd have killed myself, yeah. right? So my parents gave me a BMX, and I had to earn that one. So just understand, you know, to your point, like, know your limits. If you don't, if you start trying to negotiate in a place where you don't bring credibility to the negotiation, you're instant, you've instantly lost the attention and the potential to, to come up with something that's going to be mutually beneficial. I also see a lot of angst, you know, that's going to be coming up in January and February where people just get disgruntled and they whine and they eat. I think you have to come to the point where you either accept the territory and the comp plan. You know, you try to negotiate, you try to get the best one you can. And when it's, you know, the dust settles, either accept it or move on. Yeah. And that's just it. Stop whining. I mean, you and I both are not, neither one of us are big on the whole whining thing, but you can, you can impact it if you get involved soon enough. And if you negotiate from a a position of strength and understand there's a give to get, and you do it in a way that is, you know, supported by your credibility and the results that you bring to the table, that's great. Now, are you going to get everything? No, probably not. But you might be able to influence enough. And then, like I said, when the dust settles, hit the ground running. Like the time you spend whining or complaining about it or trying to change it after the fact, those are cycles you could have been filling your pipeline and filling in line in your wallet with. And that's it because that Q1, Q1 is the, uh, I think, the golden quarter because you, that's the when you set the seeds for the rest of the year. Your clients are open-minded to new things, to change, uh, to, to meeting you know, where the holidays are over, the year's been closed out, you know, certainly not the first week in January, but, <laughs> right. you know, but maybe they become open-minded. You get the built-in icebreaker about talking about the holidays, talking about your plans, talking about what's going on. And I see too many people who's too worried about my territory, don't know if I'm going to have that account. Well, your manager's not going to take away an account that you're embedded in. That you, you're the only person that knows where the bodies are buried. <laughs> right? They're not going to take that away from you. They will take it away, the accounts that you're not spending time on or you're not investing in. You know, and they, they know, right? And they can tell. And I, I think if you don't take, you know, Q1 by the reins because you have Q1, Q2, Q3 is, you know, summer vacations and a, a terrible quarter to get anything done. And then Q4, you're, you're reaping what you sowed. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's more along the lines of, okay, look, you've learned your lesson. If you didn't get involved in negotiation this year and you're, and you get your comp plan and you finally, you know, you got the, the steel shank in the spine and you're ready to hit the ground running and, and you're focused on it, then at least be aware next year 
that you can start that negotiation process at the right time and keep track of what, you know, what you're being effective at. Keep track. It's amazing to me how many reps don't pay attention to their own effectiveness. They complain about CRM and so, look, some I'm, I'm all for complaining about some of them. Some of them are too heavy, but there are tools out there that will allow you to very quickly look at your own performance and your activity levels and assess that. That's a perfect starting point for negotiation for next year's comp plan. Or if they try and change it in the middle of the year, right? You have the data, you have the results and negotiating from that position of power, I think is, is the first place that reps should start. And I also heard another podcast, um, where the the leader was trying to make the argument for not having a quota. And I'm like, well, you you have a quota, no matter what you call it, right? You know, nobody goes to the board and says, well, I want to try the best we can. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I've never met a private equity firm, investors or a board that will accept that answer. Yeah. That, that doesn't fly. (laughs) You know, know, it's like, how many hours am I going to work today? I'll do the best I can. You you, you, you do something. Yeah. And that's just it. I mean, I, I think people need targets. I think they call it, if you don't want to call it a quota because that's too salesy, fine, call it something else. But you've got to have the beauty of sales, the, the thing that I, I still love about it to this day is that success is almost black and white. Like, did you achieve your targets? Did you beat your quota, your target, your threshold, whatever it is? Uh, and were you successful in solving problems for businesses? It's it's not fluffy. It's not as fluffy as some people want to believe. And it's, it's not as prone to politics, which I obviously am not good at. So it's, you know, <laughs> for, for me, having those targets, like, it's almost like getting rid of that, the whole conversation around getting rid of variable comp. That's a whole nother podcast we could do. But that's... That, that right there makes my eyes roll back in my head. Like, why would you do that? Right? You're just going to increase your cost, the risk for the company, because you're going to have to elevate the base uh, or get less uh, you know, effective sales professionals. Um, and it, in that case, if somebody said, hey, we don't do variable comp, we, I, that's the first place I would start to negotiate. Well, let's talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> But but you do, you know, when you say, oh, we don't do variable comp. So if somebody doesn't come to work, you pay them. No, no, we fire them. So then there's a variable. (laughs) It's like it's the name game. right? And it's like the quota. Yes, there's always going to be some. How do you pay people then? A flat commission rate? Well, that's that's fine. But if they don't do, you know, this amount, they get fired. Right. Of course. So your point brings up I had this entrepreneur and he was trying to struggle with the comp and I go, you know, it's a great interview test. Have three comp plans, one with all commission, hundred percent commission, one with, you know, a medium base and a target with a commission rate that's dramatically lower. So the upside is contained and then have a high base and a little bonus of making a quota, show it to the person and see which one they pick. And, and then that'll tell you what motivates them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, because, well, I mean, obviously, if you get the commission only person, if it's not working, they tend to start looking around that, you know, you don't have any control over them. Right. The, the base is the control you have over the person. You're not going to find company people that have no base. Right. And, you know, I, I had a business where everybody was a 1099 and, you know. And, you know, my partner would say, well, we, we need to have a meeting. 
They go, well, we're going to have to pay them to come. No, no, they'll come. Well, then we have to take them out to dinner or something. No, no, they'll come. No one came. (laughs) (laughs) They're 1099s. It's like you go with someone else's company's meeting. You're not going to go. You're not getting paid. And I think that's a good test because commission is the reward. It's the business side of the sales job. Well, and it's, I mean, it's what, it's that, it's that, you know, no more delayed gratification. Well, depends on how commissions are paid out, (laughs) but the delayed gratification of waiting till the end of the year for an annual bonus or things, it's, it's alleviated if you're paid quarterly or, you know, you've got that commission, you can calculate that. You can see where you're at. It's, it removes the unknown, right? And there's a huge amount of fear uh, around unknowns. And I think people in sales have the ability to have a much clearer picture, right? To, to negotiate their future, to negotiate their financial return, to negotiate what they're going to deliver to the company and to be able to track it easier. And there's a, there's a simplicity in that and a power in that, that I just don't see changing anytime soon. Yeah. And I got into this uh, discussion on LinkedIn with somebody. Oh, you don't believe in work-life balance? And I'm like, yeah, I believe in that. But when, when you have a commission, you're committed and emotionally attached to the action taking place. If you're on a pure salary, you pretend you're, you're committed. <laughs> yeah. I was actually interviewing somebody yesterday from a podcast and they were he, – he, started right out of the gate. He's like, look, we, we got to get rid of this whole work-life balance thing, right? It, it is life. And if you are in sales, sales is, is the DNA, right? It, it's in your DNA. You are selling all the time. You are constantly looking for new opportunities. You're constantly prospecting. And that's honestly what it takes today because people, especially with more, you know, virtual workers, you never know when you're going to run into them or when you're going to talk to them or when an opportunity will present itself. And I think trying to think, oh, work-life balance. No, 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 no. I have a life I want to live that requires a certain amount of financial income. And I'm in a profession that allows me to throttle that and control that as I see fit. And so that master of your own destiny is, is a powerful position to be in in sales, especially when you're negotiating comp plans. At the end of the day, everyone has to realize that they are in control of their destiny, that they have a locus of control that allows them to chart where they want to go and how they want to get there. When it comes to comp plans, that's, there's no, no difference there, right? You just need to do it in a manner that makes sense for you, for what you bring to the table, and for your business. Sales reps have a tendency to think of themselves as uh, working in a silo, but that's not true these days. We need that authenticity. We need that awareness that what sales reps do and how they are motivated, how they are paid and compensated isn't just about them. It's about the organization as a whole and what's going to motivate motivate them to deliver the results that are going to make an impact for the business. Well, everybody, that does it for this episode of the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. Again, I want to thank everyone for tuning in. Once again, do us a favor, uh, drop us a review on iTunes or shoot me an email. Let me know uh, what you think of the show, how we can make it better for you, what kind of value that you have. Or if you'd like to be a guest, would love to uh, talk to you about that as well. Uh, Until next time, we at Value Prime Solutions wish you nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.